My name's Jay Philippi, and I've spent my life in and around the media. TV, radio, the movies, and more. I love them, and I hate them, and I always have an opinion. Call this The View from the Flip Side. It is rare that a story leaves me near to speechless. Let's face it, it's rare for me to ever be short on words. But the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Sciences pulled it off. For the first five minutes after I heard the news, I was incapable of uttering anything other than, what? What? These are the folks who bring us the Academy Awards, the little gold trophy dude named Oscar. The concept of the awards has been pretty simple for low these many years. They recognize work that advances the arts and sciences of the motion picture industry over the last year. That is the high-flown ideal of the awards. There's a nitty-gritty, down-to-earth, dirty little fact that enters into it, however. This year's broadcast this past March was the lowest rated of all time. The broadcast has become a snooze fest and has been losing viewers for a while. This is bad because the Academy actually needs the revenues generated by the broadcast to help pay their bills. So they're making some changes, one of which is so astounding in its cynicism as to render your humble correspondent capable of only monosyllables. Starting in 2020, it looks like, there will be a brand new category, Outstanding Achievement in Popular Film. At first blush, this may seem like a good idea. Some of the most popular films each year never get a sniff of an Oscar nomination, let alone a little golden dude. And that is what I find so profoundly cynical about this new category. The Academy knows that people want to root for the movies they love, but deep down in their heart of hearts, they can't bring themselves to nominate them for Best Picture. So they created a new category that they hope will get them off the hook. But here's what they're really saying. Your favorite movie, the one you saw over and over simply isn't very good. Certainly not good enough. But we need to find some way to make sure you care about watching the awards. So we created something new. An award that is clearly less than a best picture. But you and I are not supposed to notice that. The announcement has been met with a storm of criticism. One critic went so far as to refer to it as a fake Oscar. I think the honest answer is that this is an obvious attempt to pander to the audience. The Academy doesn't really believe these movies are good enough, but they're hoping we will shut up and watch the show anyway. Good luck with that. There is an interesting story developing here in Virginia that is rather unusual, but what really grabs my attention is that I don't think it will remain unusual. BH Media Group, which is a Berkshire Hathaway company, owns a bunch of newspapers, including the Roanoke Times. In this case, the Times is suing a former employee. At the center of the case is a Twitter feed. The employee is Andy Bitter. That's his name. And Andy used to be the reporter covering Virginia Tech football for the newspaper. Andy has been lured away by the Deep Pockets folks at the new online subscription-based sports media site called The Athletic. He will be covering the Hokies, that's the college's team name, for his new employers. But when he left, he took his Twitter feed with him. At least, that's his version of the story. The newspaper has a slightly different view. Their claim to the court is that the feed was given to Bitter by his predecessor at the paper. Thus, the feed and its 20,000 followers is the property of the Roanoke Times. 
those thousands of Virginia Tech fans, and as a side note, let me say that folks down here take their college football very seriously, even when their team is called the Hokies, and it is that built-in and dedicated group of consumers that are actually the center of the dispute. The account was originally created in 2010 by reporter Kyle Tucker, and here's the pivotal legal language, within the scope of his employment. By that standard, all content created by him belongs to his employer. All of this was spelled out in an employee handbook, which Bitter acknowledges he read in 2015. Now, I will leave the legal opinions to others better versed than I. What jumped out at me is that we are seeing a preview of the world to come. Since social media has become such a vital part of the business world, ownership of those channels will be an increasingly important note. Who created what and at what point on the timeline will be the object of more court cases is my bet. Employment agreements may require people to list social media accounts they have at the moment of their employment and place restrictions on what employees may discuss on which channels. It's new territory for the law and a new potential headache for the media. Every year or two, I like to touch on the subject of what we think the concept of freedom of speech means and what it actually is. With the events of the last week, it may be time for a refresher. The news last week was filled with stories of most of the major social media platforms shutting down a guy named Alex Jones and his website called InfoWars. I don't want to focus too much on Mr. Jones other than to say he is a purveyor of the worst kinds of conspiracy theories and uses language that encourages harassment of and violence against people with whom he disagrees. That is what caused all the big social media sites, with the unfortunate exception of Twitter, to shut him down. At which point, the inevitable cries of freedom of speech and censorship rose up again. Here's where those criticisms come up short. First, censorship, by definition, the suppression or prohibition of any parts of books, films, news, etc. that are considered obscene, politically unacceptable, or a threat to security. With that in mind, it is a pretty clear-cut case. The social media platforms have deemed the topics unacceptable and censored them, which is a power we all grant to those platforms when we sign up. It's right there in the terms of service, that long, boring legal thing that none of us read. For all intents and purposes, every internet site, including InfoWars, does just that. Reserve the right to censor unacceptable discussion. It's clear that Jones was way over that line, Twitter's inexplicable exception to one side. Now, for the freedom of speech, usually framed in terms of the First Amendment of the Constitution. The important bit there reads, Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech or the press. The Constitution is designed to outline and then restrict the powers of government. As powerful as social media companies like Facebook and YouTube are, they are not yet the government. Again, under the terms of service, the platforms have the absolute right to do what they have done. You may think it's terrible. You may believe that Mr. Jones is unfairly put upon. You may decide to never use social media again. All of those are fine. But what happened to Alex Jones and InfoWars was the result of his own actions, ignoring repeated warnings about the rules of the community. Those other claims are every bit as suspect as most of his content. Call that the view from the flip side. 
The View from the Flipside is written and produced by Jay Philippi. You can follow this program on Twitter at Radio Flipside or visit our website at viewfromtheflipside.com. 